I welcome all of us to the second week of our prayer and fasting program. Amen. I want to thank you for joining in, for heeding to the call of your pastor, and for coming. Amen. It's a blessing. Praise be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. Amen. Let's have some light, if possible. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Well, we're going to continue this week with a series of teachings on the glory of God. Amen. By the time you eat, you hit the second week of the fasting, your body really begins to feel tired. You really begin, your body is beginning to, I, I thought this was just, a, I mean, what is going on? What, what are all these? So your body is going to start reacting, especially those of you that are really trying to fast properly. And I mean by fasting properly is that you don't eat during the day. At most, you drink water. You don't eat nothing, fruit, nothing. You are fasting. Oh, Pastor, but Daniel fast, Daniel fast, this and this and this and that. Those are all appeals of your flesh. Listen to me. I was sharing with someone today. This is really not about eating this and not eating this. That's not the whole point. If for you the point is, no, 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 I'm on fruit so I can be eating fruit, this and this and this and this, you are missing the whole point. The fast is all about neutralizing the power of carnality. That's the main point. If your flesh usually leads you to eat bread and night is leading you to eat a fruit, what is the difference? Your flesh is still leading you. Your flesh is still leading you. It's just leading you to do something else. It's just that like somebody do that. The flesh was leading them to take drugs. Now the flesh is leading them to take cigarettes. And they will feel, well, there's a difference between drugs and cigarettes, definitely. But your flesh is still in control. Eh? It's just that cigarette will kill you a bit slower than the drugs. But you will still die. So this thing is not really about... And uh, yeah, me, I'm fasting and now I'm, I'm not eating this. I'm, no, 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 no. It's about controlling your flesh. And I've been telling us, I'm talking especially to those of you that are tr trusting God to rise to positions of leadership. There's a price. There's a price. You will soon understand why you don't get certain things. Because there's a price. There's a price. And if you haven't paid the price, I promise you, you will not see certain things. There's a price. Are you listening to me? So be willing. This is just for a season and it's for a greater cause. So do not focus on how tired, how painful. Focus on the rewards. Focus on what you are trying to achieve through the fast. If you focus on that, you will have a greater motivation to fast. But if you are focusing more, um, this and like your focus is more on 
what you are not getting as to compare to what you might get. You know, like I'm adjusting my expectations of eating and all of that. Look, I'm not saying you are not fasting, but I'm saying you could do it better. Praise the Lord. And that is what this thing is all about. So I'm saying, when you are fasting now properly, which we're going to try to do this week, subject your flesh. Subject it. I know it is hard. I know. But I'm telling you, you're going to have great rewards at the end of the day. Subject your flesh. Tell your flesh during the day, water only. It's water. Except if you're on medication and other things. It's water. I'm going to give you water. And you will eat in the afternoon, in the evening. And you're not going to eat a lot of things. That's real fasting. Your flesh is beginning. Please, you can change the microphone as soon as possible so that you don't waste time. So your flesh starts feeling that something is really going on. I wish I could show you the movie of Chakazulu. How he found guys that were supposedly in the army. Having fun every day, the whole fight is dancing. Their whole fight, if this, this group comes, that group comes, and we dance, 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 and then we declare a win, and then we go home. People are in the army, eating, enjoying themselves. Some are commanders, some are chiefs, some are everything. In the army, and the whole fight is about dancing. And when that was the case, the Zulu tribe was nothing. It was just like one of the other tribes. In fact, other tribes were stronger than them. When Chaka took over that army, he made things very clear. Here we kill. Blood must spill. And nobody's going to wear sandals. Take off those things. Let's start running. He made them run. You must watch it. He made them run. 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 Carry a stone. Throw in the sea. He did so many things until they turned into something Same people, same people, turn into machines. Chakazulu is responsible for the displacement of the Nguni tribe throughout the whole of Africa. You go to Zimbabwe, you find Gunis. You go to Mozambique, you find Gunis. You even go to places as far as Tanzania, you find Gunis. Because of one man. He, he is responsible for the displacement and the repopulation of a major part of this continent because of the type of person he was and the type of people he raised. Fearsome people. Did you dare not come on the way? You want to be great, but you don't want to pay the price. That cannot happen. Cannot happen. You can't become a great man of God eating every day, sleeping. Through. You can't become a great woman of God doing what everybody is when you want to lead people from where? <laughs> There's a price. There's always a price. That's why few people are at the top because not everybody is willing to pay the price to be there. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? 
And that is how life is. So we are entering week two. And I want to challenge you. Don't go lower in your commitment. Because your flesh wants to go lower in prayer. Everything starts slowing down. No, 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 no. By the way, by the way, me, I didn't enter the 21 days of prayer and fasting to finish the 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's not my goal. I'm not here to finish 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's a bad goal to have. It's a goal of immatures. When you are just starting, I don't blame you. All you want is to finish the 21 days. You are immature. You can't wait for the 21 days to finish so that you can finally eat. It's immaturity. It's immaturity. It's like a child. You are telling the child, and you, 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 you're going to sweep the room. Then you're going to watch TV. So the child is not interested in sweeping the room. And even when he's sweeping the room, he's just sweeping the room because he wants to watch TV. So he has no understanding of why the room should be swept or swept. So when you go and check the room, you find that this was not, he didn't sweep here. He put some of the dust over there. So it's not done properly because actually that was not the goal. The goal was not to have a clean room. The goal was to watch TV. But it seemed like I have to pass through the bridge of sweeping my room. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? So I am not fasting 21 days so that I can say, okay, I finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm fasting for certain things. I'm interested in seeing certain results this year in my personal life. There are certain things I want to see change in my personal life. There are certain things I want to see change in this building that you are in. This very building. Things don't change because you want them to change. You get nothing like that. Nothing. It, you, you continue dreaming and imagining things that will never happen. There are things I want God to show me. There are so many things that are going on that I'm pursuing. And it is because of that, that for me, if, I mean, if you notice, I have to stop the prayer because of you guys, because I have to come and teach you. But if it's up to me, I can pray further. Because I'm not just praying so that uh, this, I'm, I'm busy. I'm actually busy. I'm actually doing things. I'm actually inquiring things. I'm actually fixing things as I'm praying. Yeah. It's different for somebody who is just doing something. Another person is doing something with a clear motive, a clear objective. Daniel didn't fast for 21 days because he was counting hours. He was trying to get an answer and he only stopped the day because that, that 21st day is the day the angel finally arrived. He was not just, you know, I'm pushing for 21 days. The goal is not 21 days. The goal is the angel must come with the answer I'm looking for. And if I haven't seen the angel, I cannot stop. My first thing is not to count days. My first thing is to get answers. I want to see what is going to happen. That was Daniel. Daniel had inquired of the Lord, how many years are we supposed to be in this place in captivity like this? 
God sent the answer, but the answer was held. Because the prince of Persia held the angel in the air with the answer. So Daniel needed to fast and pray 21 days non-stop. And it is on the 21st day that Michael was dispatched. And Michael managed to, uh, I mean, stop the guy. And then the angel could come and stand with And the angel told Michael, look, from the day you set your heart to seek God and to humble yourself. I was dispatched. The first day you started praying, I was already dispatched. But the prince of Persia held me 21 days up there. That's where you're having 21 days of prayer. That's where we are getting it from. We are getting it from Daniel, a man of prayer. Not a man of just waiting for days to pass. A man of prayer. They made a deal with one another. That how are we going to get Daniel in trouble? They could not find anything except to get him into prayer. So Daniel was a man of prayer. And Daniel is the man of this thing of 21 days. It's not 21 days of just waiting. It's 21 days of praying for real answers. Real things you want to see happen. I don't know if there is nothing in your life that you are tired of that you would like to see stop. Who are you waiting for to come and make it stop? Complacency has filled churches. People are so complacent. People are so at ease in the mud. At ease. A lot of things are out of shape, but the way you are going about finding the solution is as if you are doing it for somebody else. With so much lack of passion, it's like we are begging you to fast. Please fast small. Please hold on a bit. Ah! I wish you knew what is out there. I wish you knew. I wish you knew the cause of results. It's expensive. I believe I'm an authority to speak on this a little small. I didn't start here. So I can tell you. I, I'm not talking on behalf of somebody else. I'm the one who received the call. Years and years ago, who started church at Sun City? None of you were there. And today you guys are here. And you are just a little portion of what God has given you by the grace of God. And I'm telling you that it didn't happen by itself. There's nothing like that. If you are around me small, you will say, I'm constantly producing things every day, every day. I'm constantly. It's, it's, that's how every, anything that you see working is working because somebody is working. Nothing works on its own. Anything that is working works because somebody is working. And if nobody is working, nothing works. Things don't work because you are this or you are that. No. Things work because somebody is working. And when things are not working, somebody is not working. The spiritual world is very precise. Digital precision. You can never miss it. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? So please gather yourself together. Don't say, no, it is the second week we are getting there. Who is getting there? Are you getting there? How far are you from your personal results? Your flesh that is still controlling you. Your mind that is still out of control. Demons that are still molesting you. Things that are still out of shape in your life. Results that are still far-fetched. And you are already satisfied. I'm on the second week. Ah, we are almost there. From where? 
What are your personal goals in this fasting? One of my prayers when you see me sitting down, pray, Lord, I don't want to enter full-time ministry and become like other full-time pastors. That's one of my prayers when you see me sitting there. Give me grace to not shame you in my full-time ministry. Have you seen me sitting there? I'm crying. Lord, go before me. You've always gone before me. Don't let me fall. I can't make it without you. You will see me there. You are thinking I'm just making noise. My heart is panting. I'm bringing real issues. I can already see the future. I can already see what is before me. And I can see that if God doesn't help me, I will not make it. I am no different. So it's a real prayer that is coming from a real place with real issues that are real in front of me. Meanwhile, you, you are your man, I'm no, no intentionality. The heart is not in it. The mind is not involved. Eh? You are just doing it because it's time to pray. No wonder the results are usually not. I succeeded in doing lay ministry because the grace of God was upon me. That grace was upon me. It allowed me to work for the white man and to build the church of Jesus Christ at the same time. There is a grace that was upon me to do that. Now I'm praying for another grace to come upon me. That is no more the grace of lay ministry. It's not the grace of full-time ministry that I'm, I'm not praying for. That's the one I'm crying for every day. So that I will excel in my job. I don't assume I know what to do. I don't assume I have all the answers. I've never had any answers. Answers are given me as I go. And if the owner of answers turns his back on me, I'm finished. I'm finished. That's why I come here and I cry. That's why I seek. I don't want to waste any minute. Oh, can't do that. I want this place to become Bethel, a place where angels are ascending and descending, where people come and find real solutions to real problems, not a place where people come and they are entertained. People are entertained and it's not. No, how are you going to have a place where Bethel is? It's a place of sacrifice. The place where Jacob is laying his head, his father, his grandfather Abraham sacrificed in that same place a few years before. So he has tapped into something his forefather worked on. A sacrifice was made on that place where he laid his head on the stone. A few years earlier, he didn't know, but a few years earlier, his grandfather, Abraham, laid those stones and sacrificed on that mount, on that same place. And he ignited a porter. So something started happening in that particular spot. Why must I waste people's time to come here on Sunday with issues and go back with issues? What is the use? What is the use? Is this a clap? 
So this place needs to become a Bethel. A place where you enter, you don't sit, and as you sit, your things start disappearing. There is a price. There is a price for this building to become a Bethel. That's another thing I'm praying for. As you see this in the light. why you shouldn't be eating. Pay a small price for something glorious tomorrow. If you could really see the issues of the people, even the ones that are here tonight, the real issues that people are carrying, you will see that we need power. And there's no power with that price. The good news is, once a place becomes a Bethel, everybody starts enjoying Everybody that enters that environment will come with a blessing. So this place becoming a betel will benefit you and me. But it is not a betel yet. It becomes a betel by virtue of repetitive activity, spiritual activity that you continuously do. Any place where there is a repetition of something, it draws spirits. That's why if you go to a tavern, I'm telling you, you will not come down the same. You will come up with some spirits. Because something is done there repetitively every day. So it is no more just normal that people just come. How can people go to the same place every day and they drink? Because there are spirits that are making them do that. But initially, there was no spirit. But as you keep doing it, spirits are drawn by repetition. What did I say? You steal the first time, no spirit of stealing will come on you. You steal the second time, no spirit will come upon you. But keep stealing. A time will come when you will draw a spirit of stealing now. It will not come and attach itself to you. From that moment, you yourself will feel that, man, I'm good at this. You yourself, you, you yourself will start feeling that no, I'm assisted. I'm assisted. Like you can sense, and I mean, where are you getting all these ideas? How do you know how to, uh, to, 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 to steal? And I mean, like you see that it becomes a higher wisdom because a spirit is not assisting you to do evil. Anything you do, initially, there's no spiritual activity. You are just following your flesh. Your flesh is wicked. But Satan usually wait for your flesh to make enough room. Then the spirit cannot enter. And the spirit starts helping you. From that moment, even when you want to stop the thing, you can't stop. Because the spirit has not taken control. 
you understand? Yeah. And the same principle is true in the things of the Spirit. If you keep praying in a place, you keep praying, you keep praying, you come to this place, you pray. You come to this place, you pray. Every day you go there and pray in the same place. Do you understand? Over the time, that place will become church. Yeah. Like, I keep coming and standing here and preaching. I keep coming and standing here and preaching. You will see that, in fact, before this thing was built, when we were just still building the building, I used to stand here and pray. Because I knew I would be standing here to preach. I used to stand here. There was just a bare floor, but I knew that the stage would be here. So I used to stand here and pray. Asking God to anoint this place. Now the anointing I had at Sun City hasn't come here yet. So I'm working on it. A time is going to come when it will sit here. Yes. It's coming. I mean, when I, when I moved here, last year in November also, I can't remember, I could see how hard it was for me to preach, how hard it was for me. Everything was hard here. Everything was hard. Everything was hard. But by repetition, repetition, fighting, ensuring meetings must take place here every day and prayer must happen. Never come here for a meeting you don't pray. It's a mistake. It's a big mistake. Because the more we pray here, we are creating an altar here. The more prayers are released here, a time is going to come where this will become a place of prayer. A house of prayer. And a house of prayer is a house of solutions. A house of prayer is a house of healing. A house of prayer is a house of divine manifestation. Maybe you are not happy that you don't have a lot of manifestations yet, even though we are beginning to have a few. But you see, let me tell you something. Manifestations don't happen by themselves. They are the result of people's sacrifices. Leadership has to pay a higher price. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a higher mountain. He didn't take the rest. A leader that is not ready to pay a higher price must not be a leader. Don't be a leader if you are not willing to do something that the common person cannot do. A leader is always ready to pay the ultimate price, whatever it is. Because usually you find out that the leader wants the thing to happen more than the followers. So he is the one who knows what he wants to see happen. Or they are the one who know what must happen. So if people are going one way, they must go more. Because they know what must happen. Except if they are also followers with the followers mentality. We all don't know what must happen. I mean, why are they asking us to do this? I mean, this is unnecessary. It's that you have the mind of a follower. You haven't kicked into leadership. And I'm trying to help you rise a bit to that level. For your personal life, for the ministry, anything is a price. There's always and they will always. Jesus cannot save the whole world without paying the ultimate price. He has to die. Thank you. There will always be a price. Always. 
Anything you want, there's a price for it. I saw a picture, I think yesterday, last night when I was at work. I wish I had downloaded that picture to show us. It was so vivid and it could help you understand how the spiritual world works. In the picture, there was a beautiful lady inside the house. Do you understand? Wearing a wedding gown. Probably getting ready for her wedding. Outside, the door was open. Outside were evil spirits angry at her. Angry. Wicked looks. Funny creatures all looking at her angrily. And she just looked back like this. It's like they were saying to her, what do you think you are doing? Where do you think you are going? What do you think is going to happen? We, no, we will not let it happen. Like, she was in there wearing nice they were out there looking at her angrily. Are you with me? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I said, that is a clear indication of how things are. Woe to that girl if she doesn't have a prayer life. Woe to that girl if she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, a clean-cut relationship with Jesus where the will of, the, of God, the will of God that is uh, captured in the word can come to pass despise the anger, the envy, and weakness of those wicked spirits. So you see, even if you're not talking about Bethel and this and this, you yourself, you are a Bethel. And the, the will of God must happen in your life. I'm trying to show you why. Don't take this prayer as just something we are busy. You know, No, then you don't understand. It's really an assignment. You can give yourself some objectives. You see, never fast without clear plans and objectives. There are things that must happen by the time this fast is over. Entered a certain dimension of power. I must have entered a certain dimension of result. I want to see certain things happen in this building by the time I'm done. Or things must, I must get an opening to start working in a certain way. I'm not a fool. You think we build all these things, put all these things nice to come and be shamed by the devil? <laughs> Everything you say here costs a price. And everything that you see inside here will cost a price. Nothing just fell. That, that TV didn't fall from his head. I mean, nothing. Everything cost to be here. Now, equally, the spiritual thing that must be here will cost. They will cost. So we have to be willing to pay the price. Are you with me? All right. So I challenge everybody. This is not the opportunity. Say, I know we've pushed week one. So I think, Ruti, let's take it easy. Uh-uh. We are not taking anything easy. We are not taking anything easy. If you are taking things easy, you are immature. I'm saying you are immature. You are immature. You are a child. You are waiting for sweets. You did a small homework and you are not interested if you did the homework well or you answered well. You are just looking at the sweet they did promise you. That if, if you do the homework, you get a sweet. 
if you finish 21 days, you'll be able to eat meat again. You'll be able to drink cold drink again. If you finish 21 days, you'll be able... That's all you are interested. Oh, I can't wait to eat again. I can't wait to eat meat again. I can't wait to do this again. My God. Do you know how long you've been eating? What has changed? In all your years of eating, what has really changed? Let's be honest with ourselves. Other things have even been nice. If we have to be very honest with ourselves. Hmm? Praise the Lord. Amen. I hope this charge is charging you. It's charging you. It's charging you. To fast. To fast. With all your heart. Don't fast as if you are being punished. Don't fast as if you are being punished. You are fasting for the wrong reason. God also looks at the motives of your fasting. It's not just the fasting itself. It's the motives. And I've been teaching you here. If you are listening to my, my second or third message, I was teaching you that if you fast properly, God strengthens you. There's strength made available to you. I mean, I haven't eaten since morning. The last time I ate was yesterday. In the evening. I haven't eaten. It's not like maybe I, I've got some secret things that I'm doing in the... No. I'm telling you that there's strength available by God if you do things properly. This is not supposed to be a hunger strike. It's a place of getting spiritual power. Spiritual power. And that's what we are after. We are after spiritual power. And you are receiving it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Quickly tonight, as we end, I just want to give you a, an overview of what the second week is going to be all about. The first week, we've been focusing on consecration. If you remember very well. We've been focusing on consecration. And I want to believe that God has touched some of us here. And that God has been drawing you. Maybe God has shown you how far you were. Yeah. Don't stop asking God. Another thing I keep praying, Lord, reveal what is hidden. Reveal what I don't know. Show me things I don't know about myself. And I tell you, you will see how far you, you, you have been in me. Praise the Lord. One major thing that destroys people's relationship with God is ministry. I've observed that it takes a lot of discipline to do ministry and to still love Jesus. Most people that do ministry don't have a relationship with Jesus. Their only relationship with Jesus is the ministry, what they are doing. They don't have any personal love for Jesus. That I'm doing this because I love Jesus. I miss Jesus. I'm fasting because I feel that me and Jesus are growing apart. They don't have Everything is for ministry. So you find out that a person was doing so well with Jesus before he, he, he was given a position. Like before you became a, a, a this, a that, a this, a that in the church, you were doing so well. You were really on the right track until this thing came. Ever since this thing came, you are not a professional. 
The professional soccer players that you see today used to play out of love for soccer. It was just love. Nothing, nobody pays them, but they will play the whole day, the whole night. They are playing, they are just playing and playing and playing. It was out of love. And then they were introduced to professionalism and to money. From that moment, everything they do, there's a reason why they're doing it. And it's not love. It's money, fame, glory, this, that, impresses, that is all it is. So I'm telling you, all the, those three groups of those guys, we did this in your name, we did this, they all went to hell in the name of ministry. In the name of ministry, they went to hell. Because they told them, depart from me. I don't know you. So I love ministry, but I want to tell you something. I don't want to love ministry more than I love Jesus. I don't want to love people more than I love Jesus. I don't want to have so much time for people that I don't, I feel time with Jesus is a border. And, and, and you see that thing, you are here, you are just waiting for the word to come. You, are just, you want to be empowered, you want to receive something. But you don't want to spend time spend just talking to him, loving him. You are doing it professionally. You are moving around. No focus. I want to ask you a question. Show me a person that you are having a conversation with a person and the person is doing other things while talking to you. Would you think that the person is respecting you? I mean, we human beings, you are, you are talking to me. But as you are talking to me, you are doing this, you are doing that, you are doing this. Will, I, will you feel that you are being respected? But we do it with God all the time. We are claiming to be talking to God. But we are, we are busy with this, we are busy with that, we are busy with the mind is not in it. We are, we, we are busy with so many things. Utter disrespect. Utter disrespect. It shows the level of familiarity that we have entered as a people. So this week, our focus is communion. 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 Which is the next step after God, after you've gone through consecration, where God has started helping you to come a bit closer. God is not bringing you closer so that you just wish each other's time. If God is consecrating me and drawing me closer, it's for something. It's for communion. He wants to talk. He wants to commune with me. He's not yet interested in asking to do anything yet. When, G when God is saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, Jesus hasn't done nothing. Jesus hasn't healed anybody. Jesus hasn't done any miracle. But God is saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We are always talking. We have a good fellowship. We have a good relationship. It's not automatic that because you are the son of somebody or the daughter of somebody that you have a flow. As we are sitting here, you will notice that maybe you and your father don't get along. But he's your father. Maybe you and your mother don't get along, but she's your mother. So you see, you have a, an official eh, 
relationship, but the flow is not there. There's no flow. So we're talking communion this week. Communion, communion, communion. What, is, what, is, what are you going to get in communion? We're trusting God that you're going to know God. It's about knowing, knowing this person that you are always talking to. But that's why I'm removing the obstacles. I'm removing the obstacles so that I can get closer, close enough to start seeing, hearing, knowing, and building a deeper commitment with him. Exodus 33 verse 18. NASB. 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 You don't have it? Okay. Moses said, please show me your glory. Hallelujah. Moses prayed this prayer. Please show me your glory. Can you say that with me this morning, evening? Please show me. This is Moses' prayer point. That is where we are getting 21 days of glory. Please. He prayer. He prayed. New King James. And he said, please show me your glory. Oh, yes. 21 days of glory. Nobody saw the glory of God better than Moses. You will get what you ask. Show me your glory. But we know that for Moses to see the glory of God, it, he went through steps. So last week we started with the first step. Now let me take you through quickly. Now we're going to go a bit fast. Exodus 3, 1 to 3, NIV. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Hallelujah. You can, call, you can say that this was the call of Moses. Moses, something, and he got interested. Do you understand? And that is how God calls you. There's an interest. Maybe you hear something, and you get a bit interested. Maybe you see something, and you get a bit interested. And you say, no, I want to go. I mean, there's something I saw there. That I, I like what they were doing. I want to go again. You but that's Moses. Moses is... Being, he saw a poster and he's interested. He heard a message and he's he saw the building. He was invited. He came in and he saw how things are happening and he's developing an interest. That's the call. You have been called. It starts like that. But as Moses started going, now go to verse 4. When the Lord saw 
that he had gone over to look. So God, God made all that thing there and now is observing Moses. He started that whole thing, sent the angel there, the angel started, so he is observing how Moses is going to, because you can look at it and it means nothing to you and you just continue. That's why it's so important to have discernment, to recognize this is not just something I'm saying. God is showing me something. This is not just a nice church. God has, is leading me to something. It's so important to have discernment. Now, God was observing. God saw that Moses had gone over to look. So God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. So that's the call of Moses, you see. Said, so now you are called in. You are asked to give your heart to Jesus. You are asked to come into the ministry. Something that is not involving you personally. It's like God is not drawing you. It's like somebody is not saying, you be in charge of this. Do this. Like the call is beginning to ignite itself. Are you flowing? Number five. Do not come any closer. God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is a holy ground. This is where we started last week. As you now start getting closer, the first thing God does after he calls you, he has to consecrate you. So God starts asking, remove that. Remove that. Remove that. Why? Because I'm taking you to a new direction what was working there cannot work here. You are in a new ground. It's a holy ground. I know the standards are important there, but they're not important here. I know this is very important there, but here it doesn't work. And I tell you, just this first step, a lot of people can't. Ah, no, hey, God, me, my standards. No, 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 no. What about the tones? What about this? What about it? Before you know it, nothing. You don't take out Just this first one. First of all, just to see the burning bush, to see where he's trying to draw attention and to even go, that's already a job in itself. Because people are so distracted, they never see where God is trying to direct them to. Then now you have even seen it. Then you come closer. And when you come close, start consecrating you. Oh, you need to change that attitude. Oh, you need to change those friends. You can't continue with this. You need to stop watching porn. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop. He start consecrating you. Here it was okay. Here it's no more okay. This thing I've been doing it. It's never had a fly. I know. But now I don't like it here. There's a price to the glory. And Moses started a journey. First with consecration. You got to clear certain things. And to the degree which you are willing to flow, to that degree, you and God will go far. God says, stop doing this. He says, ah, I can't, I can't imagine my life without this. Okay. Let's wait until you are ready. So you and God, literally, it's like you have now come to a place. It's not like God said, okay, 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 no. Uh, 
Okay, let's leave this one. Okay, we wish, okay so which one do you want to do? Hey. He never said, I follow. He said, follow me. You follow him. He's not following you. This is where things start going haywire. <laughs> because we don't want to let go of certain things, isn't it? Asking you, isn't it that we have our own things? Even that DJ just mentioned now, you see how it's a different, it's a problem. You want the glory, but you don't want the, 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 the Christian. But if you will ever come near God, there are things to remove. You didn't hear me. <laughs> there are things to let go. And you know them. It's look, nobody here will say, Ah, Pastor, me, I don't know. I don't know. Please remind me, refresh my memory. I don't need to refresh anybody's. I don't need to refresh anybody's memory. You know, if you have except you don't have the Holy Ghost. If you have, if you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost has been telling you this thing is wrong. But I need it. I mean, you know my situation. I can't do this. I mean, it's difficult. Life is hard. I need this. It helps me to even serve God. I mean, it's what is assisting me. I mean, God, the standards. If I take out the standards, I mean, you know the snakes. There are so many snakes. There are so many, the rocks are, are hot. It's hard. Standards. Standards. Something that on the other side seems to be playing a very important role. All of a sudden on this side is obsolete. You got to let go of it and trust God. I pray that God will give you grace to let go of what you have to let go. I promise you, if you and God are going to go far, at different stages, he will require you let go of something. He will. God has just required of me to let go of a job I've been doing for 16 years. I mastered it to the tip of my fingers. And I thought, Lord, forever, we can do this. We can juggle it. But every time I enter that office while you guys are here and I enter that office to change, I just hear him say, it's, it, this is how it's going to be. You raise people and you leave them hanging and you run chasing mammon. You need to remove these sandals. Ah! But these sandals, I mean, it's helping me. So I don't need to get money from the church. I mean, look at how we've been able to do many things. With that, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, look at it. I mean, it's clear. It's helping. Remove the sandals. Consecration. Consecration. Nothing must be so great 
that it threatens his presence in your life. There were times in my life when I'll be signing documents and my hand will be shaking. There's nothing wrong, but I'm just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, like I'm too, either too excited or too anxious. When I was signing my termination documents, my hand was steady. I couldn't even believe it. The calmness, the peace. I was like, wow, you really built me. I'm not saying something happened and, and then and I'm running away. No. Those of you who know me a bit closer, you know the vision I had, the, all the things God showed me, and then I knew exactly this is what he's saying, clearly. So I have responded to a divine direction. 100%. Not that I had an issue with this one. All those things are secondary. Can you remove the shoes or must we tie your hands to remove the shoes? Or the shoelaces must break. You know some people, they don't remove the shoes. The shoes have broken. The guy has started cheating. So now, you know what, I'm tired of this guy. Let him go, let him go. You are not letting him go. The the flip-flops have flipped. Flip flops. The flops have come. That's why now you are flopping. You are flopping. But you could have brought glory to Jesus if you, while the, 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 the flip flops are brand new and they are shining, and when you wear them, they are so comfortable. And you say, you know what? I will with you. Yes to my Jesus. That is where Jesus was going to get glory from. But you are wearing this in that diet. You know those flip-flops that even, they already have holes. Hey, Africa. I haven't seen it in South Africa. In my country, you wear flops until a hole is created. Sometimes two holes. One here and one somewhere in the corner here. We will wear the thing until it's no more wearable. So when it is now weary, then you say, ah, Lord, we're right. Ah, let's, is that what you want? That when it's now finished, and you yourself are also finished, that's when you are throwing away the sandals. I see you removing those sandals. I see you letting go. I don't know what God is challenging you to let go, to consecrate yourself. What is God challenging you to let go? Is it an attitude? You have a bad spirit. A bad attitude. That he, still, he keeps telling you, this attitude is destroying you. You never smile. You're always angry. You're always like this. And you are here and you say, let go of it. Ah, but people are not treating me well. I'm a, why, why, must I, why must I smile? Why people are not treating me well? I'm using this as a protection. If I, don't, if I don't do like this, people will not kill me. They will abuse me too much. It's my shield. <laughs> Let go. He's talking to us tonight. Take off the sandals. Take off, take off, take off your sandals. 
Take off your standards. Take off your friends. Take off your attitudes. Take off your sins. Take off, take off, take off. There's something he said you must take off if you're going to enter a higher dimension of glory. Consecration is where the whole journey begins. Consecration. And you see people with great destinies, they are unable to achieve them because Satan has trapped them in sandals. You know those crocs? They have something at the back. They hook at the back. You can't, you can't remove them easily. They are hooked. You are hooked. Eh? The one of uh, this guy, Kanye West. You are hooked. I mean, God, do you know that these are Kanye West crocs? This is five million rent, brother. Is that much remove? Remove. I pray that God will help us to remove what we have to remove. Remove unforgiveness. Hmm? Remove self-pity. Oh, every day you are sitting on it. Mm -hmm. This one did it to me. Now he's also doing it. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. You know what? It's okay. Anyway, I'm used to it. No, it's okay. Yeah. I just hope there's a God up there who sees all these things that are happening to me. It's okay anyway. Not a problem. I don't know what I've done to people. I'm always trying to be with this side they are paying me back. Anyway, it's okay. I wasn't expecting it from him, but he also did it to me. It's okay. Mm. Yeah. Let's remove all these things and trust God. And trust God. I tell you, you will see the power of God when you really let go. It's a beautiful thing to no more have guards. To, re, you know, uh, release all your bodyguards. Send them home. Imagine Michael Jackson in the middle of New York and he says to his bodyguards, go home. I'm going to take a walk by myself. Hey! I think just that thought, Michael Jackson will faint. Just, just to think of walking alone Nobody guards. That's how we are without our sandals. My sandals? You mean without my sandals? These are my protections. I've developed these skills to protect myself against heads. I hide behind this. Want to see the glory? Trust God. Take off the sandals. Let us see your dirty feet. Let us smell your smelly feet. Let's see them. Let's see your toes, your big toes. That they are not shaped well. Oh. Let's see your sixth finger. The the, the sixth toe, the sixth toe. The sixth toe that you are hiding there that you don't want anybody you don't want anybody to know that there's a sixth toe. You are Ga- Goliath, 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 and Goliathina with a six toe. My God, you don't want people to see that you are wearing Crocs. Jesus, you'll be surprised. God, I mean, how can a doctor heal, uh, 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 fix you if he can't see? 
path. So many obstructions on the way the knife can't go through. The injection cannot go through. We are, we are changing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So I was just doing a recap on consecration. If you want to know more about this, there's five messages I preached last week on consecration. Five on this subject alone. Please go and listen to them. God will help you. Number six. Then he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is where we are this week. Verse 6. Ominion. I am the God of your father. I know you don't know who is talking to you. I have no clue who I am. But I was there with your father before you. Now I want you to know me. Communion. And from this conversation, Moses started talking to this God. Start talking to this God. When Moses started this, he doesn't know who this God is. By the time Moses is done in this conversation, he knows who this God is. He knows how powerful this God is. He is ready to let go of his job, to go and do something he was running away from because this God has convinced him that you can do it. The power of communion caused Moses to go back from where he ran away from. So this week, we need to know this God. He told Moses, I am the God of your father. I know you don't know me yet. But I am the God of your father. Communion is all about knowing this God. Before serving this God, know him a bit. How could Moses go to Egypt and serve God if he didn't know God first? He even told him, look, people will ask me questions about who is sending me. What must I say? Said, tell him I am a slave. Tell him I am a slave. There's a connection. There's a communion. That is where the confidence is coming from. You have the right to be afraid if you don't know who has sent you. You have the right. You have the right to be destabilized. You haven't taken enough time to hear. So the confidence is very low. So some people, as soon as they take off the standard, okay, Lord, what do, what do we do? Where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I go? Ah, uh, relax. Let's talk first. And they talk, uh, they talk and talk and talk and talk. In that talk, communion, you are getting to know who this God is. So this is how he is. Oh, this is what he does. Oh, this is what he can do. Wow, that's how your faith is beginning to build. And out of that, the people who know they are God, number one, they are strong. You can't shake them. They know what they saw. They know what they heard. John says we cannot but talk about the things we have seen and heard. We are not inventing them. We saw it. You can't stop us. It's easy to get you out of bed. You have no conviction. And conviction is the result of communion. It's only because you are spending enough time with a person that you can talk on behalf of that person. He's explained 
the reason why you go to Sangomas, you try this. We don't know the God of our Father. And we haven't taken the time to sit and know who he is. Anything shakes us. You don't know. That was uh, Moses. Throw your stick. Eh, snake! He started running. I said, no, come back. Where, where are you going? Come. Hold it by the tail. Eh? By the tail. You don't understand snake, eh? You touch the tail, you are dead. He said, hold it by the tail. He held it by the tail, and the thing became, ah, wow. See, knowledge started building. Through experience, as I go with this God, and my eyes are open, I say, hey, I thought I was going to fall here. I didn't fall. I thought this was going to happen, and then it happened. Wow. Hey, there's somebody helping me here. I can say somebody's helping me. I'm going to end here for tonight. Praise the Lord. With a little testimony. Today, I went to San Central. Those of you who know San Central, I went to San Central to give something. I had already told a person to meet with me at the palace. I forgot. So I went to San Central, and my plan was, I finished at San Central, I'll go back to where I, I, they left me, because I agreed with the driver. I'm going to be back here to collect me back. I don't want to walk to it. All right. So, I went to the place where I was going to. When I entered the lift, the lift can go the battle of the first floor doesn't exist. Like, I don't know what happened to you. It disappeared. There's nowhere to be found. So when I entered, I was on the first floor, like when I entered. So it was already on the first floor. So I went to the third floor. And I finished on the third floor. I want to come back on the first floor. So we are all in the lift. This guy has First, when I see the first, they say, Hey, it's like they know, they know, they know that if you say you are going to the first, you are finished. There's no button. I said, No, there must be a way. I started pressing. See? I found another group. So I said, No, I want to go to the first place. To go to the first floor. Let's go to the third floor. Then when we come out, then how did we can how did you do it the other day? There was a way we did this. You know what? Don't worry. I will press this thing, it will go. So they all left. I'm inside me and the lift. I press a hole. And I said, come three, two, one. And I feel like it's no more going. Then I say, G, ground. I'm at I said, my God, what's <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> it's, I'm going to spend the whole day here trying to go to the first class. Okay, no, fine. I remember that from the ground floor, you can still walk. I was avoiding walking. Let me So I decided to walk. And then as I'm walking, it goes to me. Let me go and say hello to my wife. I mean, she's just there. Why, why must I go? I decided, no, no, let me actually go. Do as if I was going to see her. Meanwhile, there was nothing like that. It is the leave not going to the first floor that is leading to this unannounced visit. 
So I go there, so no, I just came to check on you, you know, I just wanted to know how you are doing. Oh, I'm so happy, I'm so happy you came to me, wow, so good. Yeah, then we decide to walk, and then we go and sit outside there at the entrance of Sunset Welcome Center, if you guys know there are bays. Let me sit here, i number three. I'm sitting here, one of the drivers will see me. Guess what? Within two minutes of sitting there, the man I had asked that I have an appointment with him, I forgot him. There he was, passing down. And he saw me as I'm standing there, sitting there with him. And he saw me. And I go to him. And I collect what I needed him to give me today. He was going far. I was not going to see him. He had come to the appointment and I wasn't there. And I didn't communicate. I forgot. The Holy Ghost made me go down. Hey, do this. And I don't know what I'm doing. Because the Holy Ghost knew I need to be out exactly at this time. And that man will pass exactly at that time. And he will see me. And I went to him. I got what I needed. And I said to him, you know what? Before you go, take me back to the place. Of course, of course. Get in the car. Get in the car. And he took me back. Seamless. Effortless. Even when you think something is wrong, it's leading to something right. That's the type of life you're about to start living. I'm telling you right now, that's the type of life where even when something looks wrong, it is a setup for something right. As when your life is yielded to God, even your mistake <laughs> never leave you at stake. If God is in charge of your life, your mistake will never leave you asleep. So I see us pressing to know God. Hey, let's stop being perfect. my experiences I'm sharing with you. They are causing me to be more established in my belief in God. Talking about something already. This is what happened today.
the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your hands to him tonight and say, Lord, I want to know you. To know you, that is my desire. There's a song like that by Tracy. To know you. Why don't you pray like Moses, Lord, I want to know you. Pastor, Pastor,